international applicants sometimes struggle mightily to pay for their graduate education in the United States and Canada. They may need collateral that they don't have and or a co-signer that they also don't have. Empower Financing has changed that. And we're going to talk to Empower's Associate Director of Corporate Strategy, who happens to also be a graduate of the Harvard Kennedy School of Government. Welcome to Admission Straight Talk, the podcast dedicated to graduate admissions and helping you approach the application process thoughtfully and successfully. Your host is Accepted's founder and world-renowned admissions guru, Linda Abraham. At Accepted, our mission is to get you to that unforgettable moment when you read your acceptance email and shout, yes, I'm in, confident you'll be attending the perfect program to help you launch the career of your dreams. Welcome to the 476th episode of Mission Straight Talk. Thanks for tuning in. Are any of you, whether in the United States or outside the United States, aiming for the trinity of Harvard, Stanford, and Wharton for your MBA? Well, you're in luck. Next week, I'm going to present what it takes to get accepted to Harvard, Stanford, and Wharton, or HSW to their friends, on Thursday, June 23rd. The webinar is free, but you do need to register to reserve your spot at exhibit.com slash HSW. Again, it's exhibit.com slash HSW. I'd like to welcome to Admission Straight Talk, Sasha Romani. Sasha grew up in Canada, graduated with distinction from the University of Waterloo, where he quadruple majored in actuarial science, statistics, operations research, and business administration, while also being active on campus. After graduating, he worked for Mars and Company in Deloitte as a strategy consultant before moving on to the Harvard Kennedy School, where he completed his MPP in business and government. Since 2017, he has worked with Empower Financing, a fast-growing fintech company providing millions to promising international and DACA students without collateral or co-signers. Sasha, welcome to Admission Straight Talk. Thank you so much for having me, Linda. My pleasure. Now, can you just tell us, before we get into your, your professional path and Empower Financing, can you tell us a little bit about your background? <laughs> sure, absolutely. So I'm from, I'm from a city called Mississauga. It's a suburb of Toronto in Canada. Um, that's, where, that's where I'm born and raised. It's been my entire, uh, my entire childhood there until the end of college, at which time I moved to New York City, worked as a management consultant for two different consultancies, Mars & Co. and Deloitte Consulting, as you mentioned, specializing in investment management. That means your traditional consulting work of helping firms grow and expand, advise on mergers and acquisitions or cost cutting or other ways when they can expand their product or geographic uh, services. After that, I, I moved on to, to pursue my master's degree at the Harvard Kennedy School, which I'm sure we're going to talk about that. I did a master's in public policy. That's when I came across Empower almost by accident. I actually came across a firm at a startup career fair, not looking for jobs, but just looking for interesting startups and getting a flavor for what people are doing. And it just sort of crossed my mind that, huh, if for me as a Canadian in the US, which makes me the least international of all students, for me to get a bank account, a credit card, or other bread and butter financial products was kind of like pulling teeth. So imagine what, what it's like for a student from India, China, Mexico, Brazil, or any of the other 200 plus countries which Empower serves. So I did my uh, graduate school internship with Empower in 2017. I loved the experience. So then when I completed my master's in 2018, I joined full-time and I've had the pleasure of being the head of corporate strategy uh, ever since then. Fantastic. Great story. All right, let's dive into it a little bit. How did you, I mean, you had this very kind of technical background. By the way, my husband is an actuary. Oh, great. Um, <laughs> you know, actuarial science, operations research. 
business. I forgot what the fourth one was. Uh, all math. Strategy kind of is more the big picture. Um, how did you go from the very focused to the big picture? Yeah, so I, I decided to, so my undergraduate was a double undergrad between a bachelor's in mathematics from the University of Waterloo and a BBA bachelor's of business administration from next door Wilfrid Laurier University. There are two schools, like a short walk between each other, about 15 minute walk. So they sort of collaborate and have this uh, cross-disciplinary double undergraduate program together. It's actually, it's considered one of Canada's leading undergraduate programs for students interested in those fields. It's also a co-op program, which means students work, they take work terms um, next to and sort of inter, inter, interplace between study terms. And um, I sort of realized that what I liked most about my experience doing co-op jobs as an actuary was the part that made me feel like a management consultant, which is that you go into an organization, you solve a problem, which may or may not be clearly defined for four months at a time. Then you leave, you go back to school. And if your company likes you, they'll hire you back again for the next co-op term, for your next internship, okay. so to speak. So that's what made me um, really get interested in management consulting, just knowing that like from a very high and almost naive level, that is what the, um, that's ultimately what the role entailed. And I just sort of realized at some point that I was personally not a huge fan of actuarial work. I felt that I sort of chose it because if you look at all the rankings of jobs with good salary for not much stress, actuaries tend to top the charts. But ultimately, um, when I was in my early 20s, I felt, you know what, I'm not afraid of a little stress. I'm not afraid of a little challenge. And ultimately, I got a good job in management consulting in New York City. And I think what young 20-something-year-old would not jump at the opportunity to move to New York City, especially me being a sheltered Canadian child. <laughs> and I think ultimately, looking back, that was, I don't want to say a risky decision, but it was definitely a little bit more risky than a much cushier actuarial job that was waiting for me in Toronto after I completed my undergraduate. And I have never looked back since. All right, great. Why did, again, going to my husband's experience, my husband was, was the vice president of two different insurance companies. He's retired now. But uh, I remember many times he'd say he, so many of his actuarial employees could not see the big picture. They were very focused and rather narrowly focused and and he actually was good at seeing both the and the big picture and the and the details but you obviously enjoyed enjoyed the big picture and you had this really strong uh, background in management both from your experience and your undergraduate education why did you decide to pursue the mpp yeah a, a lot of people ask me that in a slightly different way and that why an mpp as opposed to an mba and, well, that was you know, kind of in the back of my mind. <laughs> exactly. I, I figured that's a question that maybe you're not asking, but that's what you're actually are yeah. trying to get at. And I'd say ultimately, um, so I, I, I definitely seriously looked into both. And an MPP and MBA are definitely not mutually exclusive. Students can, depending on the schools, absolutely do both. Each degree is typically two years in length, but a lot of schools offer the option to do both. HBS and, and HKS in particular do. Exactly. And HKS with a lot of other MBA programs at other schools as well. Right. Right. Um, yeah, so absolutely, that, that is an option. I just, for, for myself personally, I felt that if you look at what a lot of, uh, what, what a lot of um, career outcomes are like for MBA students, they tend to be consulting. That tends to be, uh, for the most part, the biggest employer. Now, I'd, I'd, at that point, I already had five years of consulting experience, which 
what my colleagues described to me as a quote unquote real life MBA, which a lot of it was. I also did have an undergraduate business experience for what Canada's leading schools for that field. But I felt personally, I would gain a little bit less from an MBA experience than other, other folks who do an MBA. And again, it's the last thing I'm gonna do is denigrate the MBA experience, but I felt for me personally, it would not have been a great fit especially at a school like the Harvard Business School, which has a very regimented first year core right. curriculum right. with exactly. zero flexibility in the first year. Personally, I felt that I already had a strong academic and practical experience to what that core would have made me, what would have trained me with. Disagree if you like, but that's how I felt. No, I think you're um, being very logical. <laughs> thank you. My very strategic, was, actually. There he does. My bad. <laughs> um, well, one thing which I realized with an MPP, I, I definitely had a strong interest in uh, policy area, particularly foreign policy. And the reason I ultimately wanted to do that is that a lot of my management consulting experience was consulting for uh, for large beverage companies. Uh, um, one that comes to mind are, 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 are Coke and Pepsi, um, but that industry without naming any particular clients. And I sort of realized at some point, if I'm doing my job well and helping sell more sugary beverages, I'm ultimately making the world a less well-off place. And I, want, I wanted to achieve some social good, social impact, however you define it. But I'm also a very private sector oriented person. I'm not one who's inherently gonna work for nonprofits or join the government. For me, that's less good of a fit. So I felt that in terms of seeking social benefit through the private sector, so through business, the MPP at the Harvard Kennedy School was a great fit for, for me and my interests while also allowing me to pick and choose the specific courses that I wanted to take at Harvard Business School, MIT's Business School, Harvard so College, and Harvard Law you, School. You Absolutely. did that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I think my experience while I did graduate with an MPP from the Harvard Kennedy School, I, took a, I had a very, very cross-disciplinary education, not only at Harvard, but at Nextdoor MIT as well. And you didn't have to do the required curriculum in year one at, at Harvard Business School either. That's true. Now, on the other hand, I had to do the required curriculum at the Harvard Kennedy School. So in one sense, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't move away from core curricula entirely. But the Kennedy School does offer more flexibility. And because their core curriculum, which is uh, math and economics, are things which, thanks to my background, I was able to really like get, get top grades without having to worry too much about it. Sure. So I was able to go above course load, which, again, was not possible at the business school. Right, right. And I assume there were some courses at HKS. I'm not saying they would have been necessarily uh, mathematically challenging, but they probably were not what you studied as an undergrad in terms yes, of absolutely. policy and government. Yeah, absolutely. The, the Kennedy School takes a very quantitative approach to policy analysis, but it's also quite different from what uh, from what actuaries are necessarily worrying about, for example. Okay. All right. Was there any part of the application process to HKS that you found challenging? And was that the only MPP program that you applied to? It actually was the only MPP program I applied to, so I'm quite fortunate that I got accepted by my first and only choice. <laughs> I, I think in terms of um, parts of the application process that were tricky, I'd say not necessarily, nothing that was completely out of left field, but I sort of realized, uh, and I later did some uh, part-time work at the Kennedy Store Admissions Office, and the way I describe it to people is... Um, people at the Kennedy School or people who study policy schools in general, it's probably important to convey a sense of passion. Yes, so yeah. tell me what you care about and prove to me that you care about it and connect the dots between what you've done, how my degree will help you and where you want to go afterwards. Absolutely. So 
my advice, and uh, I'm sure you mentioned some version of this in the past, Linda, is to sort of connect the dots in your life to have some sort of logical story that I can sort of get my head around. That's 100% right on. And I'm smiling because it's exactly what we advise applicants to do. <laughs> and I have many times used the metaphor of the master's degree, whether it's the MBA, the MPP, or almost any master's degree as a bridge between where you're at now and where you want to go. Now that implies that you have to know where you want to go. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, you're, you're right on. Um, let me know if you want, if you want to come to accept it. Uh, <laughs> how did you become involved in, in FinTech and Empower after HKS? I mean, I actually it was during HKS because you said you got an internship there and you kind of hinted at that in, the, in your answer. Can you go into a little bit more? Yeah, so I always had a high level in, uh, interest in financial services. Uh, that's my undergraduate background and I got my CFA charter uh, while I was working in consulting. Also, um, just given that a lot of my consulting experience was in investment management, a lot of the talk of the day was were fintech disruptors, especially uh, especially robo advisors. I came across Empower by accident, as I mentioned, in a startup career fair. It sort of fit like, and and honestly, when I was at the Kennedy School, I wasn't a hundred percent sure what I wanted to do after graduation. But I sort of figured there are a couple of Venn diagrams that matter to me. Then ultimately, those were financial services, technology, so that's fintech, some element of social impact, and also an international focus. And honestly- Four circles and it have to intersect. Four circles, exactly. And Empower right, okay. Financing, I was delighted to have come across a firm that absolutely hit all those, of uh, the intersects of all those four circles and let me keep a Canadian presence as well as I was, at, I was interned the head of Canada when I joined full-time at Empower as well. All right. Okay, that makes sense. Let's let's turn more to Empower now. Okay, how is Empower financing different and better than other loan options out there for international students? I think you're asking a really interesting question, but it also assumes that international students a lot of the time have options for financing their education, and that's a problem which Empower strives to solve. Empower is the leading provider of scholarships and no cosigner loans to students from pretty much every country in the world. We work with students at 200 plus countries um, across about 400 top universities around the US and Canada. We provide fixed rate loans, which are oftentimes competitive with, with uh, federal grad plus loans um, to help students from, as I mentioned, pretty much any country in the world finance their education. What are the countries, are there any countries that you will not lend to? There are, but those tend to be very much edge cases. For example, I don't think there are many North Korean students studying in the U.S. Mm -hmm. as an example. Uh, like that, that, that's almost the extreme one. But also, we don't work with students from Cuba and Iran, primarily, and and countries in that vein. Not because we don't want to. We're actually co-founded by an Iranian refugee, for example. But uh, the U.S. government doesn't make working with them particularly easy. Okay. All right. Great. And. Where does the tech come in? I mean, it's fintech. What is, where is that element in, in this process? And you also talked about scholarships and loans. They're, they're obviously very different. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> one has to be paid back and one does That's not. Right. Um, but let's start first with the tech question. Yeah, sure. So uh, the, 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 the joke in fintech is that it's easy to give money away, but you have to actually get it back afterwards too. So um, I think that's and, true of most financing, actually. <laughs> in a perfect world, yeah, you are getting repaid for your loans. That's <laughs> in a perfect world. But I mean, we laugh, but there have been a large list of lending technology startups that have not quite figured that part out. And here right, we are. Right. 
<laughs> uh, well, we at Empower are absolutely a, a tech firm at our heart and that we're driven a lot by our stellar engineering and our loan platform. We've integrated uh, te technologically with leading financial services firms around the world, whether they be US banks, global loan payment and loan servicing firms. We play nicely with leading fintech darlings like Flywire um, and Nova Credit, which is a San Francisco based international credit bureau startup. I think we were actually Nova's first institutional client, so to speak, as well as, well as really um, making sure that we offer a tech-driven, tech-first platform for students from around the world. And a lot of it is, I mean, at some point you can definitely say, what is a tech firm? Because every company these days has tech. We're on a podcast, which is on Zoom after all, technically right, right. that's a tech firm. But at Empower, the core tech goes into the underwriting. How do you lend to students who have no social security number, no U.S. credit score, and without cosigners or collateral. And I think ultimately that goes down to our big data infrastructure of understanding student outcomes after graduation. We look at what they've done before their MBA or whatever degree they happen to be studying. Mm -hmm. We look at immigration outcomes, and we look at career and financial outcomes after graduation. Whether that student stays in the U.S., goes back home to India or whatever their home country is, or moves to a third country because the world is not so black and white. We have successfully had students move to Canada, Europe, Dubai, and other places around the world as well. So part of the tech infrastructure is making sure that students are able to service and pay their loans easily, no matter where they end up after graduation. And now for a word from Admissions Straight Talk sponsor. Attention all prospective graduate students. Now you can use one platform to apply to dozens of schools at once with Interfolio. Organize your CVs, resumes, and letters of recommendation, and easily submit all from one site. Sign up at interfolio.com backslash accepted with the code accepted22 for 10% off. Again, that's interfolio.com backslash accepted. And now back to the show. Where are most of your borrowers coming from? So our students come from, um, as I mentioned, like we, we offer funding of students from really? 200 plus countries around the world. Our, our biggest country of origin is India. We have a large team in Bangalore, India as well. Mm -hmm. India is our largest country, but it's about 20 to 25 percent of our students. So although it's the largest, there's also a very long tail after that. Other large countries include, uh, not going to be any surprise, China, a lot of sub-Saharan African countries, Mexico, Brazil, South Korea, and several others. So Canada. After, sorry? Canada? Yeah, actually, absolutely. Absolutely work with Canadian students as well. I was talking to a, a pharmacy school in Boston that has an active recruitment presence of Canadian students because there's actually a dearth of pharmacy and optometry program for uh, available for Canadians. So a lot of them tend to get trained in the US, then they ultimately become successful practitioners whether in the U.S. or if they go back home to Canada. And Empower also, you mentioned offers scholarships. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because those don't have to be paid back. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because in some countries that we work at, they use the term scholarship to mean loan as well. So oh, really? sometimes, it's, yeah, it's, it's a, mm -hmm. if anything, working at Empower has showed me an interest in how, how people around the world speak English, they speak it fluently, but they'll speak it differently than yeah. you and I will, right? So essentially, of course, a loan has to be repaid back. A scholarship does not. It's free money. We offer a wide variety of different scholarships. Our most uh, popular one is a global citizen scholarship, which is basically as long as you are an international student defined as a non-citizen and not permanent resident, you're eligible to apply for that scholarship. 
Some are a little bit focused. We have an MBA scholarship worth up to 10,000 US dollars. We also have one for women in STEM, that's women studying fields in science, technology, engineering, or math. Eligibility criteria for that is, of course, be a woman studying one of those fields at one of the 400 odd schools we support in the US and Canada, as well as a monthly scholarship series. We, have, we offer a monthly scholarship series, the eligibility criteria is you know, gonna be a little bit different every month, but we invite students to go to our website, see what scholarships they might apply for, and hopefully they'll win one or more scholarships in the future. So the monthly scholarship is, is, is a, a different scholarship every single month that you give out? Is that, is that how it's not, it's not an award that's given out monthly, it's- It's, it's a different scholarship. Scholarship every, every single month. Okay, right, got it, right. got it, got it. Oh, that's great. Another question, and we've talked about MBAs. I'm assuming if you have a scholarship specifically for MBAs, you also give loans to people who are applying to other programs, be it law, med, engineering, is that correct? That's absolutely correct. Uh, we work, when we say we work at, a, at 400 universities, we mean every degree program at those universities. Oh, wow. So if, if I'm gonna pick on, if I'm gonna pick on um, MIT, for example, so that means every degree program at the Sloan School of Management, every engineering degree, MIT, I don't believe is a law school, so that wouldn't apply there. No, they don't have but, a law school um, either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. So maybe MIT was a bad example, <laughs> but- How but, about NYU? Um, um, yes, NYU, we actually do a lot of work there across NYU's campus. They're going to be one of our largest schools across uh, the law school, the Stern Business School. Um, but yes, ultimately every degree program. So although we do have an MBA scholarship, we and we work with a lot of MBA students, MBA degrees are not by any means our largest degree. We're, I think we work primarily at STEM programs, so again, science, technology, engineering, and math, but increasingly as well, the hybrid between what I call like um, MBA adjacent business programs, which would be, for example, a master in finance, master in analytics, which are usually housed within the business school, but they're not MBAs and they're typically STEM accredited. Right, right. What about current graduate students or graduates, people already working who have a loan? Can Empower Financing refinance it and perhaps save them some money? We do, absolutely. We actually offer, I believe, the only international student loan refinancing product for graduates now working in the U.S. For international students who have taken a loan from their home country, often perhaps with collateral or a co-signer, often in the form of an arm and a leg or a firstborn child, knowing some of these <laughs> foreign country institutions, and now they're working successfully in the U.S. after graduation, they'll be able to refinance that loan with an Empower loan which can not only help them to reduce their rate and release uh, cosigner and collateral obligations, but in a world where we have rising interest rates worldwide, often rates are expected to rise several times this year. Oh, yeah. um, we at Empower, we exclusively issue fixed rate loans, which means a student's rate will never rise over time. Wow. Wow. I know many, look, there are many graduate students who come, let's say, to the United States and are all the students coming to the United States or Canada? Any, any going to UK of your customers? We only Europe? offer funding for, for, for students in the US and Canada. Perhaps one day we'll be in other countries, but for now exclusively in the US and Canada. Right. Okay. Many students coming to the US or Canada, their intention is to get a graduate degree, maybe work for a couple of years here in order to pay off the loan and then go back to their home countries. Is that okay with you? I mean, it's normally very hard to pay the U.S. tuition or the, or the U.S. loans, even with low interest rates, if you go back to your home country immediately. 
Is that something that uh, you consider? It's absolutely something uh, that we consider, but uh, there, there, it's it's not as black and white as 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 a lot of people might think. Okay. Especially if a student has worked for a couple of years in the U.S. before they go to their home country, which nearly all of our students do, by the way. At that point, they're often able to make a to make a pretty big impact on that loan. They're able to pay off yeah. a good chunk of the principal, and the remaining principal is 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 uh, easily sustainable when they go back home. Core to how we underwrite as well is making sure that the loan is is responsibly repayable, whether the student stays in the U.S., goes back to their home country, or goes to a third country as well. That's that's one of the reasons that um, it, it's it's important to us as a as as a as a public benefit corporation to ensure that we're setting up students for success and that we're only lending to students who are able to responsibly carry the burden of the debt that we're issuing them hopefully to increase their standard of living through a high quality education, therefore making the loan absolutely worthwhile for the student uh, once they graduate. Right. And one thing we haven't touched on, which is actually critical in, in this whole discussion is what is typical interest rates and the term of the loan? Yeah, all of our loans are 10 years in length. Our rates for graduate students vary between about uh, 6.5 to 11.99 on the higher end. This compares to some foreign country lenders, which will easily charge rates from uh, the mid-teens to 20 to 30% plus, often, as I mentioned, with an arm and a leg and a firstborn child as collateral. <laughs> uh, so, uh, I, so this is why students from around the world are flocking to our offerings, especially these days when we see uh, international travel resume, when we see the allure of an international education that was sort of pent up for the past few years, all suddenly it's, it feels like a dam broke and yeah. our platform has seen, uh, seen record, record amounts of traffic. So that's been, it's been really exciting to see that now that COVID uh, restrictions are slowly ending, how much we're able to help students from around the world fulfill all of their, their highest academic aspirations. Right. You also have the easing of uh, visa restrictions in the United States. I think that's exactly. another, another crack in the dam uh, that burst. <laughs> <laughs> it's slowly happening, too. Right, right. <laughs> what is Empower's path to success? And you've talked about how you want to enable your borrowers to pay back the loans. I think that's part of it. Can you touch on that, please? Yeah, Path to Success is a free program that we at Empower offer to all of our students. It basically helps to ensure that our students are successful both in school and after graduation. Some of the many services that we offer are free letters to help students with their visa and immigration process. We also offer free services like interview preparation, resume review, networking support. It's actually, it's really funny that um, in a lot of foreign countries, it's just typical for on a resume for students to include a picture of themselves and their marital status, things which are kind of non-starters uh, from an American or Canadian context. So oftentimes it's just a little bit of cultural orientation like that, like what does an American resume actually look like? Sometimes it's a little bit more. And we've helped them with mock interviews with some software as well to, um, to sort of help them judge their poise and their tone of voice. Sometimes we've opened our own personal networks to them as well. Like, hey, if you want to be a lawyer, I used to work at this law firm. Let me um, speak to an old partner who I know is looking for interns right now. It's one of the, it's one of the many programs that we have to ensure that our students are as successful as possible after graduation. And able to repay the loan, which is exactly. important That's for both important. parties. <laughs> exactly. Um, what would you like me to ask you? 
I think ultimately there's a lot of uh, there's, there's, there's a lot of misinformation about the industry, which really has to do around like uh, challenges that a lot of students face. But I think ultimately the most exciting thing I found about the I, I, I find about the industry of international education is that everybody ultimately benefits from high ta- high caliber high talent international students in society. We can talk not only about bringing over or training doctors and engineers and everybody else, Lord knows we need healthcare practitioners as the pandemic revealed, but also I think it's so interesting how international students by often paying the highest tuition rates charged by university significantly subsidize the cost of education for American citizens and permanent residents. And there have been some really interesting studies, and I'm going to misquote probably the numbers slightly, that every 10 international students at a university essentially means seven more domestic students are able to enroll than otherwise would be able to do so, thanks to the massive subsidy that international students provide for them. So we're not only able to fulfill the academic uh, dreams and aspirations of international students, but indirectly those of American citizens, and permanent residents as well, which is of course, tremendously important uh, as well. That's amazing. That's a phenomenal statistic. Even if you're off a little bit, just the idea that that meant that it's that close, it's, mm-hmm. it's amazing. I mean, Absolutely. I knew that, that they, they pay much more in general, but um, okay. Well, Sasha, I wanna thank you very much for taking the time to join me today. I really appreciate your sharing your experiences and information about the great options provided by Empower. Where can listeners learn more about Empower financing? Sure. They can check out our website at mpowerfinancing.com. That starts with the letter M, then powerfinancing.com. Sounds good. Quick reminder, listeners, please don't miss what it takes to get accepted to Harvard, Stanford, and Wharton. Go to exhibit.com slash HSW to reserve your seat and gain access to the secrets I'm going to be sharing during the webinar. Listener, thank you again for tuning in to this, our 475th episode. If you're concerned that you missed something in today's show or wanted to take a note or two, but couldn't because you were driving, jogging, doing the dishes or whatever, we've done it for you. You'll find the show notes for this episode at exhibit.com slash 475, 475. This is Admission Straight Talk produced by Accepted, and I'm your host, Linda Abraham. I'll talk to you again next week. <laughs>